Welcome to the Bible in 260 podcast, the podcast that brings you through the entire Bible in 260 days. Have you ever wanted to read the whole Bible but struggled to do so? This podcast is meant to help you do it. With five 15 to 20 minute episodes per week, you will hear the entire Bible read to you. There will also be occasional brief notes to help explain context, as well as a concluding question or thought to consider. So welcome to the Bible in 260 podcast, your journey through the Bible in 260 days. Welcome to episode 160. One of the things that um, most of us dislike in other people is when we see people who are acting really proud and arrogant. Uh, we don't see it so well in ourselves, but we don't like seeing it in others. And in our stories today, God is basically calling out that kind of pride, that kind of arrogance, that uh, sense that we think that we know so well, and yet we're blind to how offensive our pride is. And yet our passages also today not only show that God doesn't like pride and reacts against it and judges it, but he's actually God of grace to even the most proud. And there's so there's great news and hope for us proud, arrogant people that we are, even though we usually don't want to admit it and struggle to see it. But let's read these passages, and as we read through them, my hope is that all of us, me included, will see our pride turn to God and see his grace offered to us in response to our arrogance and our pride. Hosea 14. Return, O Israel, to the Lord your God, for your sin has been your downfall. Return to the Lord and repent. Say to him, completely forgive our iniquity, accept our penitential prayer, that we may offer the praise of our lips as sacrificial bulls. Assyria cannot save us. We will not ride war horses. We will never again say our gods to what our own hands have made. For only you will show compassion to orphan Israel. I will heal heal their waywardness and love them freely, for my anger will turn away from them. I will be like a dew to Israel. He will blossom like a lily. He will send down his roots like a cedar of Lebanon. His young shoots will grow. His splendor will be like that of an olive tree. His fragrance like a cedar of Lebanon. People will reside again in his shade. They will plant and harvest grain in abundance. They will blossom like a vine, and his fame will be like the wine from Lebanon. O Ephraim, I do not want to have anything to do with idols any more. I will answer him and care for him. I am like a luxuriant cypress tree. Your fruitfulness comes from me. Who is wise? Let him discern these things. Who is discerning? Let him understand them. For the ways of the Lord are right, the godly walk in them, but in them the rebellious stumble. And so there you have the ending of Hosea, basically God's call to the people to turn and repent and that he will restore them. He'll show them grace, even though they've been so proud and arrogant, so full of themselves. Now we'll turn to 2 Chronicles and we'll see some of the same pattern in 2 Chronicles chapters 26 and 27. And this begins the story of King Uzziah. All the people of Judah took Uzziah, who was 16 years old, and made him king in his father Amaziah's place. Uzziah built up Elat and restored it to Judah after King Amaziah had passed away. Uzziah was 16 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned for 52 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jecoliah, who was from Jerusalem. He did what the Lord approved, just, just as his father Amaziah had done. He followed God during the lifetime of Zechariah, who taught him how to honor God. As long as he followed the Lord, God caused him to succeed. Uzziah attacked the Philistines and broke down the walls of Gath, Jabna, 
and Ashdod. He built cities in the region of Ashdod and throughout the Philistine territory. God helped him in his campaigns against the Philistines, the Arabs living in Gerbal and the Muonites. The Ammonites paid tribute to Uzziah, and his fame reached the border of Egypt, for he grew in power. Uzziah built and fortified towers in Jerusalem at the corner gate, valley gate, and at the angle. He built towers in the wilderness and dug many cisterns, for he owned many herds in the foothills and on the plain. He had workers in the fields and vineyards in the hills and in Carmel, for he loved agriculture. Uzziah had an army of skilled warriors trained for battle. They were organized by divisions according to the muster rolls made by Jeel the scribe and Messiah the officer under the authority of Hananiah, a royal official. The total number of family leaders who led warriors was 2,600. They commanded an army of 307,500 skilled and able warriors who were ready to defend the king against his enemies. Uzziah supplied shields, spears, helmets, breastplates, bows, and slingshots for the entire army. In Jerusalem, he made war machines carefully designed to shoot arrows and large stones from the towers and corners of the walls. He became very famous for he received tremendous support and became powerful. But once he became powerful, his pride destroyed him. He disobeyed the Lord his God. He entered the Lord's temple to offer incense on the incense altar. Azariah the priest and 80 other brave priests of the Lord followed him in. They confronted King Uzziah and said to him, It is not proper for you, Uzziah, to offer incense to the Lord. That is the responsibility of the priests, the descendants of Aaron, who are consecrated to offer incense. Leave the sanctuary, for you have disobeyed, and the Lord our God will not honor you. Uzziah, who had an incense censer in his hand, became angry. While he was ranting and raving at the priests, a skin disease appeared on his forehead right there in front of the priests in the Lord's temple near the incense altar. When Azariah the high priest and the other priests looked at him, there was a skin disease on his forehead. They hurried him out of there. Even the king himself wanted to leave quickly because the Lord had afflicted him. King Isaiah suffered from a skin disease until the day he died. He lived in separate quarters, afflicted by a skin disease, and banned from the Lord's temple. His son Jotham was in charge of the palace and ruled over the people of the land. The rest of the events of Isaiah's reign from start to finish were recorded by the prophet Isaiah, son of Amos. Isaiah passed away and was buried near his ancestors in a cemetery belonging to the kings. This was because he had a skin disease. His son Jotham replaced him as king. Jotham was 25 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned for 16 years in Jerusalem. His mother was Jerusha, the daughter of Zadok. He did what the Lord approved, just as his father Isaiah had done. He did not, however, have the audacity to enter the temple. Yet the people were still sinning. He built the upper gate to the Lord's temple and did a lot of work on the wall in the area known as Ophel. He built cities in the hill country of Judah and fortresses and towers in the forests. He launched a military campaign against the king of the Ammonites and defeated them. That year, the Ammonites paid him 100 talents of silver, 10,000 cores of wheat, and 10,000 cores of barley. The Ammonites also paid the same amount of annual tribute for the next two years. Jotham grew powerful because he was determined to please the Lord his God. The rest of the events of Jotham's reign, including all his military campaigns and his accomplishments, are recorded in the scroll of the kings of Israel and Judah. He was 25 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 16 years in Jerusalem. Jotham passed away and was buried in the city of David. His son Ahaz replaced him as king. 
And so there we have in the story of Isaiah, especially, uh, he started off serving God, honoring him, and then it got powerful, and that power went to his head and began to be filled, as it says, with pride. And God humbled him and still showed grace in having his son become king, and his son, learning that lesson, remained faithful. And so we see this mix of God's grace still continuing and the pride that happens. Let's move now to Psalm 61, which is really a prayer, a prayer for the king, a prayer for the king to be faithful and loyal to God. And it's a prayer of David. Psalm 61, for the music director to be played on a string instrument written by David. O God, hear my cry for help. Pay attention to my prayer. From the remotest place on earth, I call out to you in my despair. Lead me up to a rocky summit where I can be safe. Indeed, you are my shelter, a strong tower that protects me from the enemy. I will be a permanent guest in your home. I will find shelter in the protection of your wings. For you, O God, hear my vows. You grant me the reward that belongs to your loyal followers. Give the king long life. Make his lifetime span several generations. May he reign forever before God. Decree that your loyal love and faithfulness should protect him. Then I will sing praises to your name continually as I fulfill my my vows day after day. There we have it, David's prayer. Really, in one sense, for the king, for himself, to be faithful, to trust God, to live out of God's loyal love. That's God's merciful love. And it is, in a way, that leads to David to worship. And I think that's the antidote to pride, is that when we see and experience God's loyal love, his grace, it is actually worship, worship of God that keeps us humble towards him. And we'll finish today then with Matthew 20, where Jesus tells us a story about workers in a vineyard that explains God's extravagant grace and the struggle our pride has in the midst of it. Matthew chapter 20. For the kingdom of heaven, says Jesus, is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the workers for the standard wage, he sent them into his vineyard. When it was about nine o'clock in the morning, he went out again and saw others standing around in the marketplace without work. He said to them, You go into the vineyard too, and I will give you whatever is right. So they went. When he went out again about noon and three o'clock that afternoon, he did the same thing. And about five o'clock that afternoon, he went out and found others standing around and said to them, Why are you standing here all day without work? They said to him, Because no one hired us. He said to them, You go and work in the vineyard too. When it was evening, the owner of the vineyard said to his manager, Call the workers and pay them their wages starting with the last hired until the first. When those hired about five o'clock came, each received a full day's pay. And when those hired first came, they thought they would receive more, but each one also received the standard wage. When they received it, they began to complain against the landowner, saying, These last fellows worked one hour, and you have made them equal to us who bore the hardship and burning heat of the day. And the landowner replied to one of them, Friend, I am not treating you unfairly. Didn't you agree with me to work for the standard wage? Take what is yours and go. I want to give the... I want to give to this last man the same as I gave to you. Am I not permitted to do what I want with what belongs to me? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first and the first last. As Jesus was going up to Jerusalem, he took the twelve aside privately and said to them on the way, Look, we are going to Jerusalem 
and the Son of Man will be handed over to the chief priests and the experts of the law. They will condemn him to death, and it will turn and and will turn him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged severely and crucified. Yet on the third day he will be raised. Then the mother of the sons of Zebedee came to him with her sons, and kneeling down she asked for him for a favor. He said to her, What do you want? She replied, Permit these two sons of mine to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left, in your kingdom. Jesus answered, You don't know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup I am about to drink? They said to him, We are able. He told them, You will drink my cup, but to sit at my right and my left is not mine to give. Rather, it is for those for whom it has been prepared by my father. Now when the other ten heard this, they were angry with the two brothers. But Jesus called them and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and those in high positions used their authority over them. It must not be this way among you. Instead, whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first among you must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. As they were leaving Jericho, a large crowd followed them. Two blind men were sitting by the road. When they heard that Jesus was passing by, they shouted, Have mercy on us, Lord, Son of David! The crowd scolded them to get them to be quiet, but they shouted even more loudly, Lord, have mercy on us, Son of David! Jesus stopped, called them, and said, What do you want me to do for you? They said to him, Lord, let our eyes be opened. Moved with compassion, Jesus touched their eyes. Immediately they received their sight and followed him. Just love how all these stories coming together really show us that here in, here's Jesus telling the story about showing God's grace to people. It's all undeserved, whether you receive it early in your life or later, whether you belong to him early or not, that God is gracious and he gives generously. He's, he's not stingy. And then you have the struggle of the disciples who are hearing all these stories, and yet basically James and John are coming and saying, we want to be the top two guys in your kingdom. And Jesus has to teach them again that this isn't about status or position. And he tells them different stories, but he shows them also in his own what's going to happen to him, that he's coming to be the servant, to be the slave, to give his life as a ransom for many. He's trying to help them see that the way the kingdom of God works is not through power and through power plays, but it's through serving and humility and sacrifice. And here we have Jesus healing these two blind men, showing them incredible grace and compassion. And they receive their sight and they actually do what God wants us to do, and that is after receiving his grace, after receiving his mercy, to follow him. Thanks for listening to the Bible in 260 podcast. May what you have heard speak to your heart and mind today. The scriptures quoted are from the Net Bible, http netbible.com, copyright 1996-2019, used with permission from Biblical Studies Press, LLC, all rights reserved. Our theme song for the podcast is The Call by Emily Ruth. You can find The Call and other music by Emily Ruth on Apple Music or Spotify or wherever you find your music. You are-